Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Entertainment Expansion. We're your hosts, Tyler Callahan and Mike Ferrante. Mike, how are you doing? I'm vengeance. That's how I'm fucking doing, Tyler. We finally got to see it. The Batman. Mm -hmm. We've been waiting for. I knew this day was going to happen ever since the first fucking trailer dropped. Matt Reeves. Two years we have been waiting for this film. Matt Reeves has officially made me eat my words because this film was fan-fucking-tastic. So, uh, can I collect my I told you so? When I said, when he was announced, and you, you had you had doubts. You had some doubts. I, I did. I did. I, I, I told think you. Matt Reeves. He's, he's going to do it. Yeah, he did, and he fucking did, pal. Uh, so, yeah, we are talking about the Batman. Uh, we have no idea how long this episode will be. It will probably be one of our lengthier ones. So sit down, relax. Uh, also, right out of gate, we are talking full spoilers, top to bottom. Oh, yeah. This is a three-hour film. There are Easter eggs to discuss, theories on the sequel. Huge Easter eggs. We got a lot to talk about. So I would say before we get all the all that fun discussion where we can just hypothesize about where we can go, Mike, I'll just take it off to you. For, the, for this film itself, what stood out to you as like the strongest parts of the film? You, it's a good question, Tyler. Um, strongest parts in the film? Yeah, we can't lavish this praise unless we pinpoint what makes it so good. Well, number one, the pacing for the majority of the film is perfect. There was really only one part of the movie where the pacing felt a little bit slower than the rest. Mm-hmm. And that was the hospital scene with Alfred and Bruce. For some reason, it just felt like it dragged. I don't know why. Like, it's not a bad scene. It just felt, I don't know, a little bit slower paced than how the movie was going because the movie was like, the movie was like training, trucking forward and then hit that. And it was like a fucking school zone. So I had to slow it down for a second. And then it picked right back up again. I don't know if you felt like that. I felt a bit differently. I thought the scene itself, the Alfred Bennett, uh, Bruce Wayne scene, I thought that was perfectly paced. I thought that was fine. We needed that slowdown. They needed to have that heart-to-heart because one thing coming into this film is they are not in a good relationship at all. Um, yeah, not really. Really, Alfred is, I mean, kind of like like the abused butler at this point, really. You know, Bruce Wayne making snide comments. You're not a Wayne. You're not my father. It's like, yeah. all right. I and mean, we'll get into a bit more why that works for this film, but that's the status of their relationship. But I will say, to add on to what you said is I think that whole 15, 20 minutes or so where Bruce finds out about his father, uh, goes to Carmine to find out more and then goes to Alfred. It's like bang, bang, bang. And then we're done talking about his parents for the rest of the film. I felt that was kind of odd. Yeah. And I felt it was kind of, because it kind of felt like we had the main Riddler plot. We then deviated to about a 20-minute subplot of how Thomas Wayne was uh, looked to be a corrupt man, murderous man. But then Alfred's like, no, he was weak, and he was only like slightly corrupted, but he still cared about you and the family, and he was honorable. And then Bruce's like, all right, I'm cool with it. And his emo yeah, look, so, but yeah. So that's kind of uh, an interesting point to bring up now. So I thought it was kind of weird how like Bruce just seemed to casually accept everything everyone was saying is truth. And it's like, why would you trust fucking a mob boss? 
But to be <laughs> fair, Carmine wasn't lying. Well, he, he just wasn't telling the whole truth. He wasn't telling the whole truth, but that's not lying. He's just, he's deviating. He's just skipping the fact it was like, well... He might know, have had a hand in killing his parents. Like, he might have. It's like, yeah, also, Thomas didn't want me to kill him, but, like, I had an opportunity to own him, so I did kind of kill him. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but... He, he just seemed a little bit too to accept kind of both their stories. Because, I mean, at this point... Can yeah. we, as an audience, even trust Alfred? You know what I mean? I think then you, you bring up a good point, because, like... We don't really the, see the, much the, of Alfred. Like, Matt Reeves and the team mind. clearly think, like, because we know Alfred, and Alfred has never been bad, ever, we, are, we have the preconceived notion that whatever Alfred is saying is the truth. Yes. Even though, with this version of Batman, they could go differently. And... No, I'm not saying I want a corrupted Alfred or an asshole Alfred. I'm not saying that, but for as much work as they put into setting up the timeline for this universe and building everything, it's like, you're, you're right. Bruce is kind of like, and I would accept Bruce taking Alfred at his word if he showed the guy any bit of compassion besides when he got blown up. Yeah. Like up until Alfred being blown up and almost dying, if Alfred was to drop dead in front of Bruce, I really don't think he'd care. It was only that team was like, oh, wow, you actually do care about Alfred. Yeah, I could see that. But in the same sense, I think it took Bruce to realize almost losing Alfred kind of pushed him in the direction to be, I don't know, a little bit more open, I guess. Because before that, he was very closed off. Like, nah, this is what the fuck I'm doing. Screw the accountants. I'll burn all my fucking money. Well, I wouldn't say just more open, but like you mentioned in the hospital scene, I do think the hospital scene, you know, I know you mentioned you have an issue with Tomasin, but I really think it's one of the best scenes in the movie. Because I don't know, man. There was a lot of good scenes. There was, but thematically, the scene was important. Because the whole theme of this movie, there's a reason why it's called The Batman. Bruce Wayne in this film does not exist. There is no Bruce Wayne. It is the Batman inside and out. And I think him almost losing Alfred is the spark that starts to bring back Bruce Wayne. Yes. And, and that also, conversation with, with his fear, like he mentioned, he had to, he, he never thought he would feel that fear again when he lost his parents, and he did when he almost lost Alfred. Yeah. So here's also another thing. I think this movie exceeded past any other Batman movie to date. This movie really showed the transition of Batman being the night stalking vigilante to actually becoming a hero and i think the final moments of the movie really solidify that and you know he's always made out to be a hero in the public eye and all the films but we never actually see that transition to where the public is like no this guy is actually a hero not just a vigilante that catches bad guys because when he's evacing all the people that were injured and you know was that a, a younger girl that was getting airlifted and she was nervous yeah, she wouldn't let go of his arm. Correct. Because he's now, like, this is a movie where he earns the full trust of Gotham City. Like, mm-hmm. hey, this guy may be a little bit loony, but he's really trying. He means good. He's good people. Correct. I mean, it's kind of weird. Like, for as much, like, as this is, this is like the darkest, bleakest Batman film ever and all of that, which is kind of true. It's also kind of weird that the last 10 minutes of the film is really hopeful. 
Like it's yeah, like yeah, Gotham's kind of a wreck, and there's going to be some bad shit coming. But clearly, the the scene you just described, where he's helping people and people recognize it, like, wow, this is kind of upbeat. Because like, I mean, the ending of the Dark Knight, for example, wasn't upbeat at all. Yeah, uh, Batman v Superman, not upbeat. So it's definitely like compared to the past few Batman films we've gotten, it ended on a somewhat happy ending. It really did. And that's why I'm saying we've never really seen that aspect mm. in a Batman movie. So I think it definitely gets points in my book for showing that. Yeah. Um, well, let's also, go back to the Unvengeance line. I was kind of surprised that they went that way with the Unvengeance. Because these first did trailer, you know, Unvengeance, like everyone's like, oh, it's such a badass line. But they take that one line that Batman says to criminals in his two mm-hmm. years and they spin that into oh, he fucked up moment when the Riddler's associates, when he's beating them up and he, they say he's he, their vengeance as well. That look on his face and shout out to Robert Pattinson for just expressing with his eyes. Like you could see yep. in his eyes, he realized, oh no, I fucked up so bad. Yeah, They're looking also, to him for what to do. And that was not what he meant to do at all. Correct. And he also low-key inspired the Riddler as well, if we're going yep. down that route. I do like the whole uh, the plot twist, though, because the whole movie they're building up that the Riddler knows Bruce Wayne is Batman, right? Especially in, mm-hmm. the, uh, in the Arkham scene, you're thinking, and even Robert Pattinson's thinking, he knows who I am. But then he really, and then he does that 180. It was really a reverse plot twist. It was a great because, plot twist. It was because, and that's when he opened up more as Batman because he felt more confident. He felt vulnerable. That's why he was really quiet during that whole uh, beginning of the scene because he's approaching it as this guy knows who I am. He keeps saying fucking Bruce Wayne, worried about the cameras, and then whole 180. But you caught the one hint though, the one hint early on in the film that Riddler did not know, right? Uh, Why don't you uh, lay that one out? So Alfred gets the present. The, he gets the bomb and the envelope. The envelope is in a fireproof bag. So in Riddler's mind, Bruce Wayne would get the bomb, he would blow himself up, and then Batman would arrive on the scene, open the fireproof bag for the card. Yeah. So, but again, besides that one hint, if you don't catch that, that and that entire scene is great, that Bruce Wayne, like, yeah. Paul Dano... <sighs> Small criticism of the film, we should have had more Riddler. I'm sorry, like like one of the better scenes of the film is the church with the bomb around the guy's neck and that tense moment of it's going to go off or not. That scene's great, but Paul Dano's great acting is through a cell phone. That's true. But, and that's kind of the beauty of it too, though, because you could tell that he was just a fucking nutcase, once again, acting through their eyes. Yep. Because... Riddler behind the mask was so deranged, and it was uh, it was definitely intense. Paul Dano did a great performance, which we expected. Mm-hmm. I mean, if anyone's seen Prisoners, you know that that's a fact. You you the were going to get a great performance, and you you fucking got one. You you did. You definitely did. I just wish there was more of it. I agree, but there was a lot going on in this movie. There and was, but to like... its, to its credit, there was multiple story points that went on. And they yeah. actually kind of button them all up. Not bad. Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen some criticism online that nothing really happens in the film. 
and like it's three hours of kind of nothing and i just kind of think those comments are insane uh yeah kind of a lot happened in the film i don't know if you uh what did this movie has juggled film? so much. It it juggles the power structure. You know, Penguin's moving his way up top. Carmine's out. Uh, we already know Moroni's out. So for a villain's crime, mob boss-wise, you, you see Penguin's ascension. Uh, you have a major new villain in Riddler. Yeah, Bruce Wayne discovering more about his family. Like, there's a... I, don't, I see those comments. I'm like, are we watching the same film? Exactly. He's not point. just walking around dark alleyways for three hours. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's probably the dumbest comment I've ever heard. Uh, but I kind of want to I want to hone us in on something very specific. I hope you don't mind. Let's sure. talk yeah, go about ahead. the bat suit and bat tech. Yes. The, <laughs> where where to begin? And then well, we'll, actually, we'll before end... we get into it, since we're talking about the bat suit, one thing that stood out to me a few times when they show Batman walking, the the sound they have for the boots, the thump thump that was. That stood out to me. Like, this guy is yeah. carrying some armor. He's going to pack a punch. This is just it's the more, like, building up the threat that Batman is. Couldn't agree more. But also, let's talk about his, uh, his grappling hooks. That was probably the coolest grappling hooks we've seen. Yeah. It was very slick, small, compact. And I, I do enjoy how they stuck with he grapple hooks through people's limbs and fucking yanks. <laughs> I, I do enjoy that we're continuing that trend. Works for windows. It works for legs. It's great. It, it is. I mean, shit, that's something we first got to see in uh, to that extent. Because we've had grappling hooks wrap around people's legs, but realistically, that's not what would happen. Did it go through a person in the warehouse scene in Batman v Superman? Yes, it did. Okay. So that's where we kind of first really saw that. His uh, taser, too, attached to his his uh his gloves that was interesting that was kind of that was kind of sick i feel that wasn't used much after the first fight no nope that was pretty much it uh, I, I feel like it could have been used more but especially toward the end that the ending fight but yeah could have been useful but then again he was uh dangling over a lot of water oh i mean look, all right let me look i have an issue with the suit the suit's too bulletproof yes but he he is taking uh it's, it's not that he doesn't feel it though no, but like, okay, you're telling me rifle rounds, pistol rounds, no problem. The only thing that will put Batman down in that armor is a shotgun. Like, really? Well, I can understand that to some extent. And I, I think the thing is, like, the Batsuit looks amazing. Don't get me wrong. It looks amazing. If this was the the super bulky suit from Batman v Superman, I can understand why he's deflecting these bolts, no issue. I just don't see the armor in the suit besides the chest piece. I don't see Whoa. the armor. I'm sorry. What are you? What are you? Nah. This, this nah. guy was taking rifle rounds on, on, on top of the stadium, like boom, boom, boom. It's like, I I'm feel sorry, like what? this suit was heavily inspired by Arkham Origins suit. It's, it's definitely a bulkier armor. I mean, think about, think about it this way. If we're not talking about the mech suit in Batman versus Superman. Look at every other bat suit. This is the most armored we've ever seen. It. I will give you that. It's definitely more armored than, say, Keaton's and Bale suit. Correct. Even, you, even, for, even for fucking Bale, like, he, he can get stabbed with a knife. I'm like, okay. Yeah, but even Zack Snyder's bat suit, like, where's the armor in that? Fair, like, that's like real, like, I get it. Like, it could be some real sick fucking Kevlar. I, don't know. Like I, I just feel like, I, like Kevlar, but it, it's besides too... the shotgun blast, 
if he just took a little more damage or he got a little slower taking those rifle hits, I'd believe it a bit more. But he was knocking them out one by one up until the shotgun, and I just kind of uh, yeah. something that can be well, improved I mean, upon. Agreed. He did seem like just an unstoppable force in this movie. Yeah. Especially where I'm going to bring this off to. So, Tyler, that green liquid he injected himself with. Mm-hmm. You catch that? I, I did. All right, let's talk about one of the few Easter eggs. Yeah, so I find it weird that they clearly show it's green. This ain't no clear mm-hmm. liquid, so yep. I would assume it's not and adrenaline. They clearly want to show it's green. Correct. There's a point to it. And there is no... And I, I would say to go even a step further, the fact that he, as soon as he takes it, he rages on that guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, makes me think, while this might not be Venom Venom, that whatever this chemical is will be the basis of bringing in Bane. Because imagine, Batman almost beat a guy to death for taking one shot. Now imagine a big, bulky dude having a mask, constantly drink, you know, having it in him. It's like, he's going to yeah. go ballistic. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to... Uh, yeah, that's, these are... These are since, we're, since we're talking about Easter eggs... So, uh, over under on Hush being in the Batman movies. Yep. I'm just saying the son of the reporter, if he finds out the truth about his father, Hush could be in play. Yeah, I found it interesting that they made him Thomas Elliot. Yes. Because, you know, in every kind of form of media we've had of Thomas Elliot, he's always been rich doctor friend of Bruce. And his dad was also a doctor as well. So making him an adversary right from the start definitely an interesting way to look at things but the question is are we going to have multiple like a multiple villain film i mean technically we kind of had it in this one we did but but these are these are some big villains we're talking about here though because i don't think bane will be in the next one no i don't think so either they just leave it open if they want to bring him in let's see we got hush we got possibly bane Bane, i can see bane and hush being in the third in the third movie if they make a third one I could see that happening. I think Joker's the third one. I don't think they do Joker for the second. I mean, they already showed him. Yeah, but he can be a Thanos. You just keep teasing him. Also, if Joker is the end-all, be-all villain for Batman, it would make sense to be the finale of a trilogy. Yeah. And I don't think they would want to be like too similar to Dark Knight, where it's the second film in a trilogy, main villain's Joker. Same with this one. You have another side villain and all that. It'd be too similar, but... Because here's the thing, we barely saw Joker's face, yep. and he's still in Arkham. So you can easily have an entire second film with two or three other villains. End of the second one, he breaks out, all hell breaks loose in the third. That's what I'm thinking. Because look, we still have Riddler. Riddler's around. He looks like he's going to team up with Joker. So if you do the third film, you can bring in Riddler again as a supporting character. Yeah, maybe get a little bit more Paul Dano. Yeah. I mean, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> no. Um, I also found it interesting how they made uh, Martha Wayne and Arkham. Yeah, I caught that too. I was like, all right. Uh, so it's definitely, Matt Reeves definitely took a lot of inspiration on uh, the Telltale. The Telltale and a couple of the comics. Yeah. Variants of that. Because that's that's almost eerily similar. Now, I'm going to say something here that uh, I'm going to be disappointed, but like I kind of feel they wrote themselves in a corner. I don't think we're going to see Court of Owls in this trilogy. Probably not. And the reason is the climax of the film, they make it a point that 
Carmine runs everything. Carmine runs the city. Everyone works for him. Blah blah blah. blah. Yeah, the sequel really let that happen. Well, the sequel is not going to be good if it's like plot twist. Turns out there is a secret organization underneath Gotham that actually ran everything, and Carmine didn't know about it. It's like, really? No one knew. So yeah, I kind of sucks. I would like to see Court of Owls live action, but at this point, it does seem. I, 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 see, I don't uh, think we're getting Nightwing anytime soon, but the fact that you know his city was mentioned at the end by Catwoman, Bloodhaven, yeah, yeah, because you got to remember this is still a young Bruce, yeah. Um, I, in the theater when I was watching it, and I saw, um, you know, the scene with the kid and Batman staring at him, mm-hmm. and then even in at the funeral, I was like, oh, he's he's recruiting a Robin right now, like, hey, kid. You want vengeance for this? Come with me. <laughs> you know that. See, that could make sense too. Yeah, because they seem to have a bond. They seem to have a bond. Well, also, I one thing that stood out early on in the film when he's just staring that kid down at the yeah. crime scene. I'm like, okay, all right. So this is what gets him interested in this it. case. Yeah. Yeah. Like I saw, I saw the reason why because it's you know callbacks of of him. Mm-hmm. So I understood that aspect of it, why he was personally tied to it, because he saw, you know, a kid lo- lost his father. His father was definitely dirty, though. Very, yeah. very dirty. Pretty much so, everyone in this city was. Except Gordon. Except Gordon. Of course. When is Gordon ever dirty? Uh, one of the things I like about this film, compared to other live actions, is this very much felt like a Batman-Gordon team-up. Yes. Instead of, like, other films where, like, they... They interact at points, and maybe they're in an action scene or two. But like, this is very much like if they're like Batman's the lead. The two secondary leads are Catwoman and Gordon, basically. Easily, it's those three just working the case, and they each have their time to shine as well. I, I will say one thing I did not like about Gordon, though, and this is not the acting. Uh, I thought Jeremy Wright did great performance. A little more on the script. They made Gordon seem a little too stupid at times. Like yeah. it kind of, it kind of got like by the third or fourth card, he was just reading the card. Like, well, what does it mean? I don't know. We just read the card. Give it a second. <laughs> yeah, you got a point there. Um, but I get um, it. He's still a detective. He, you know, he, he's not commissioner yet, still. But uh, oh, speaking of Catwoman, I thought Zoe Kravitz did great. I thought, I think, I think it's fair to say this is the best live action version of Catwoman. Absolutely. Okay. I thought making her Carmine's she, but, daughter uh, that was, was, was a good way to loop her into the story. Deal. I mean, she could always fit in the story regardless. Yeah, but the, like, there's I, more of know, a, an emotional tie to it. Yeah. I think what really shined and shined for Catwoman and Robert Pattinson's performances were the long take action scenes. Yeah. Those were fantastic. The fight choreography in this film was absolutely superb which is kind of what we were looking for as well which helped the dark grittiness of it one criticism of selena kyle though so she she's she's got a murder boner right for a lot of the film Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden batman goes to it and she's like oh no he's gonna kill him it's like weren't you like trying to kill like six people before you mean at the end when he's beating that guy to a bloody pulp yeah yeah well i would say yeah, just to counter your point, you're right. Uh, when she finds out her girlfriend's dead, 
she she's got a raging murder boner to to kill Carmine or whoever was in charge of her death. Uh, absolutely. But I think at the end of the film, the reason why she was worried is that I, I would like to think Batman showed her there is more to say this kind of lifestyle than just murdering. Again, he is the one that told her, "Don't throw your life away." You know, you can be better than this when getting close to kill him. So Correct. for her to see him lashing out and falling into the same trap as she did, I think upset her. You yeah, know, because right. all this happens in, in a week. So basically the night before, he saved her from committing something she would never be able to, you know, change to the next the next night. Boom, Batman's doing the same thing. It's like if I was her, I'd be a little shocked. Yeah, definitely whiplash. Yeah. How about that uh that rafter fight scene, huh? Oh, starting starting with the explosion of the roof, Batman crashing in, and just fucking so, shit. Well, I had a question about the the explosions. Did Batman rig all those explosives to go off? That's you know what? I'm not gonna worry about that because it was awesome. It was but awesome, but I'm, like, sure, I'm sure he did. I'm just sure he did. through the window, man. Well, he wanted to be dramatic. He's got a thing for theatrics, remember? Yeah, he does. So it still fits. Because also, it's a thing about fear, too. Are the criminals going to be afraid if one guy jumps through the roof or all of a sudden they're not expecting the entire fucking roof explodes and this guy comes fucking crashing down? I'll say, when he does the little smoke screen and starts taking them out one by one, that is uh, yeah. definitely Arkham. That's definitely some Arkham moves right there. Yep, and how about the elevator scene in Falcone's hideout? Oh, yes, yes. At night, yeah. By the way, everything goes dark, yeah pitch black and you just see the gunfire with flashes of him it definitely took inspiration from other batman movies and it improved on it which i thought it did a terrific job at because we first kind of got that glimpse with uh bell and dark knight rises when he's going through the tunnels Mm -hmm. and you're seeing the flashes and him moving through getting some good hits in but this movie was it was a combination between that i did like is in the trailer when they show part of that scene i was a little annoyed by it because of my previous criticism of him taking too many hits with the bullets but watching this actually the complete sequence my complaint for that was i i had no issue with anymore because actually seeing on a big screen seeing where the bullets are going they were missing most of their shots correct they couldn't fucking see (laughs) it's like yeah they're firing the gun a lot but they're not hitting him yeah Uh, i mean i'm gonna say one thing that you mentioned how this film improved upon other Batman films. I'm going to say, and I don't know if this is a hot take or not, uh, I think this might might be the best Batmobile we've got in live action. Yeah, now, I might have to agree with you on it. It doesn't have a lot of gas on thing. it, but no, it is its own character. The oh, shape of it, the sound, yeah. how it can just crush anything, it's its own character in the film for that chase scene. It's, whew. Yeah, Tyler, did you watch it in IMAX? I did watch it on IMAX. God damn, man. <laughs> Fucking. That was. When it's rumbling sick. for like 30 seconds, do you feel that sound in your chest? Yeah. Especially when he was messing with the penguin too. Like, all right, I'm going to give you a head start. He just completely <laughs> redlines it. Let's go to the clutch a little bit. Goes forward. And then just waits for him to get back in the car. And just everyone's in awe. Like everyone. Like, like penguin's kind of like. Okay, what does he got? Catwoman's like, what the fuck? And then, and then and Gordon's like, I'm just confused right now. What is this? He's like, when the hell? Like, here's my thing though. There's no like, how long was that sitting there? Because everyone would have heard that fucking thing coming. Uh, I'm just gonna steal your line. 
from five minutes ago about the, the building. Doesn't matter. It looked cool. Okay, fair enough. Because here's enough. the thing. Uh, the, the, way, the way I process it is Gordon was in his car tailing Penguin, but we assume Batman was next to Gordon when they were initially tailing him from the club. So how did Batman get to the get to the recycling plant without being in Gordon's car? He took the Batmobile. I mean, you're you're right. How did he park quietly? But no. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and look, at least for the Batmobile, they have a chance to improve on it with some gadgets. You know, nothing too crazy. But yeah, you know, just like machine guns, something like that. Yeah, but like comparing to other ones, it's like, all right, the Keenan one obviously it's famous, but let's be honest, it's like two, you know, five feet too long on the nose. Yeah. Um, uh, Christian Bale's one, it's nice, but let's be honest, it's a military it's a device that's just spray painted yeah. black. Uh, so yeah. Ben Affleck's one was just a beast. Nutty. Yeah, that thing was just absolutely nutty. That thing, like, like this is a car that fits this version of Gotham. Like, I can see Bruce Wayne driving this round, or Batman, really. I mean, Bruce Wayne would be caught in this, but this car fits in like the traffic of Gotham. Christian Bale yes. and Ben Affleck don't. Like, you see them coming, you're like, oh shit, that's Batman. Yeah, you don't even have to see him because you'll hear him. Yeah, you, no, yeah, you'll hear him. You hear him like three blocks down, five blocks down, really. That thing was a goddamn beast. But you can also tell that this Bruce really likes muscle cars. Mm-hmm. Shows up in a Corvette Stingray real quick for the funeral. I mean, he's got chased. Also, his, uh, his Batmobile kind of had inspirations from that car as well. Oh, yeah. Like slightly, maybe certain parts of the frame could yeah. have been modified from it, based around it. But now, I think one thing we both have not—we haven't touched on in this film—is, and again, I, I would like to say this uh, to counteract that the film is super dark and you know tense, or whatever, which it is. There was quite a few good jokes in this film. Yeah, there was uh, the thumb drive. Like, like it's dark humor, but it's funny. And it, it really works within... Uh, it works within the film. Yeah, especially within Batman itself. Uh, the running the gag have... of, uh, do you know who I am? I'm trying to get in the club. I... Yeah. The twins was an interesting one as well. Also, let's talk about the banter between Penguin, Gordon, and Batman. Yeah, I didn't expect Penguin to be giving us a Spanish lesson while he's tied up, but hey. Yeah, and... Honestly, for how much we got of him, Colin Farrell did a great job as a penguin. I'm excited to see more of where that goes because it also sets him up to be an enemy of Batman in the future because he's kind of left with Gotham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he's the major crime lord now. So, yeah. Uh, well, then I guess it's good that Matt Reeves has said in interviews that the Penguin show is a lot closer to getting ready to the film than the Gotham PD show. So we should be seeing that probably before the sequel okay so we'll begin seeing more of him soon uh but yeah i I thought he killed it he really was unrecognizable like like not just like all easily prosthetics and the fat suit just the way he talked as well like all Mm -hmm. together like i don't think of the same guy from in bruges no or daredevil yeah fantastic piece where to find them Uh uh-huh let's put him back in that franchise i'll say it it might. He was the best thing, or not the best thing, but he was, he was great in that movie as well. Yeah. But yeah, honestly, there was not a bad performance in the whole movie. Yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, Andy, Andy Serkis as Alfred, uh, he was good. It's just he was in it for like 10 minutes. 
Yeah, we didn't really get a lot of him to be able to yeah. gauge. But um, Rob Pattinson, great job. Well, I guess talking about performance-wise, I mean, we can't say much because we didn't, we weren't so much. But I gotta ask, what do you think about the Joker? Well, I think the laugh uh, is okay. Well, I think I can warm up I'll, to it, but I'm gonna need some time. See, here's where I'm gonna disagree with you. I was more worried about how he was talking. Actually, then the last. Did you understand kind of, what he was saying? Because I listened to an IMAX, I could understand like every other sentence. I could, I could understand it, but you know. But I again, that's like, less of him, more the sound mixing for that scene. It's just kind of. Yeah. I was gonna say the sound mixing was a little off for that scene. Yeah. Because uh, my friend who I saw it with, he didn't hear the riddle that Joker asked him. Yeah, I heard like half of that. But I could hear Paul Dano fine. I could, I could get most of what he was saying in films just for uh, for that scene. For Joker, it was like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit more detailed pictures. Yeah. Of this guy. Because the prosthetics look kind of crazy. They're going for a Star Joker look again. Yeah, from what Matt Reeves has said, is this version of Joker, there's no chemical bath that he falls into. It is more of a uh, genetic disorder that he's had since birth and that he's basically grown up with it. So we're basically going to be looking at a 20 to 30 year old Joker who's had whatever messed up face he's had. He's had it to some degree since he was born, which is interesting. It, it definitely is. That, definitely. He's no. going to, I think with that, obviously you would think the mental state of that person would not be great. No. I mean, my, if I've had something like that on my face most of my life, you know, I, I wouldn't be normal. Yeah, but so you're saying you'd be a joker, Tyler? That's what I'm you're saying. saying I, would, I would be a joker. You'd immediately re- resort to uh, life of crime. Well, I know. So everyone rejected me because of my face, maybe. Well, honestly, he would have been okay during the pandemic. He would have been wearing a mask. Yeah. He would have been all right. Pandemic's his best life. Exactly. He got a solid two years. I know we've talked a lot about it already, but one thing that uh, I say one thing, but it's another great thing about the film is the atmosphere and how they build up the tension. And the quickest way they do that is the beginning of the film where the bat signal goes up into the sky. All the criminals freak, freak out. Yes. They are just panicking. Pop out anywhere. Like, that helps build the setting of where we are with this Batman. Yeah, he is newish. He's only got two years under his belt. But people, criminals know enough about him that if you see that signal up, do not stand in the dark corner anywhere. Yep, he'll, he's somewhere. He's definitely somewhere. Uh, let's see. Uh, the music. The music, um, yes. I was surprised we got more of something in the way. By Nirvana. Uh, I thought initially that was something for the trailers. Clearly, it's a centerpiece of the movie's uh, score. Yes, and here's a funny thing. Rob Pattinson turned that off. Oh, what do you mean? The scene where Alfred first comes down in the Batcave after he comes in. The first time something in the way is playing. When Alfred starts talking to him, Bruce Wayne hits the radio and the song turns off. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool. So I was like, wait a minute. So this dude was just thinking of that song? He was actually <laughs> listening to it while investigating. <laughs> yep. He had his uh, his Galaxy Buds in because Batman's an Android user. 
Oh, he probably is. Yeah. He's probably got he the Batman probably... OS. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's custom made. It's easier to hack than an iPhone, I guess. And, and upgrade. It, it, it's also interesting, like, this version of Gotham, uh, like, it's set present day, clearly, uh, based on the timeline, and you've seen that with, like, the tombstones and all that, and with the smartphones. But the, the you know, from Matt Reeves and the team, it's not just simple modern-day generic city. It's modern-day stuff. But the buildings are older, some of the cars are older, and that contrasts with uh, the fact that Riddler is a Zodiac killer in the live stream days. Yeah, pretty much. Like, the fact that he didn't say like and subscribe to my channel is like, I mean, you were close to saying it, man. Honestly, I was I was laughing when it was, like, his podcast. Yeah. Like, oh, thanks, for, thanks for coming, guys, you know? Oh, no, no, that shit was funny. If he said like and subscribe, I would have laughed out loud in the theater. That, that, that's, that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, I thought it was cool how we saw the formation of the first uh, supervillain gang, if you want to call it that way. Yeah. That he had a bunch of followers and then they were just like, fuck yeah, let's do this. Okay. All right. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take, take that comment. Stop. Because hey, they also mentioned this movie. Oh, wow. He has a lot of followers. He has 500. That's not a lot these days. I'm sorry, Matt Reeves. Well, you need no, to bump no, it up no, to a no, couple no. thousand. No, I, I laughed at that too. So I was like, 500 is not that much. That, that's nothing. But let's put it this way, Tyler. Let's put this in perspective. Yes, having 500 followers isn't that crazy. But what is the caliber of these followers? Because the majority of them were all kind of nutcases and gearing up for war themselves. Now, 500 followers is not a lot for a social media standard. Mm-hmm. But having, let's say, even having 100 or 200 followers in the sense that they are going to. That, that's a mini army join. that can get Correct. stuff done. Yeah. Okay. So that's a, that's a formidable force in that sense, because a, a lot of his followers were active. And did end up showing up now. Was there 200 of them? No. no. But in that grand scheme of things, I could see how that's like, well, he does have a lot. Because if they're all potentially a threat. Okay. So, yeah, that, that's a fair point. Yeah, I agree. Another small tidbit here. He was he was kind of a small Batman. Out of the suit. It's kind of small. Kind of weird, because I think Paris in real life is like 6'2", so he ain't exactly like short. <laughs> no, I, I mean like you know, being yoked up wise. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think, to be fair, I mean, I think it's just because we're coming off of uh, Ben Affleck being like just massive jacked. Like Christian Bale wasn't, wasn't really built. He was was toned, but he wasn't jacked. Batman Begins, he had a decent amount of size on him. Yeah, but but not Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. Fair enough. But this is a younger Batman we're talking about here. Now, yeah, he's strong as shit in this movie. It just doesn't really look like it reflects small nitpicks. Well, maybe as he gets older, he'll yoke up a bit. Maybe, maybe. Depending on the villains he faces, he might feel the need to. I want to know where his training came from, though. Because we met, Alfred mentioned he taught him how to fight, but to what caliber? Yeah. I mean, hmm. I think there's a lot to go into this because, like, all right, he's been crime fighting for two years. Based on time I saw online, people put together parents died when he was around eight and he's about around 28 in the film. So from like, what, say 15 to 26 years old, what was Bruce Wayne doing? It's a great question, but I'm glad they kind of skipped all that because it kind of worked well because I think yeah. society is done seeing Bruce Wayne's parents get gunned down in an alleyway. 
for like the 18th time. Actually, no, you actually just brought up a good point with Alpha because I did notice in most scenes he was walking with a cane. So how much could he actually train him? Like he could train him, but then he would need a sparring partner and Alfred ain't, Alfred couldn't do that. Or maybe, plot twist, Alfred was the sparring partner and Bruce is the reason why he's using a cane. If that's the case, then Bruce is even more of a fucking dickhead for treating him like that. <laughs> yep. Hey, I'm sorry, I almost crippled you, but you're not a Wayne. I don't care what my father said. Yeah, you're not my dad. I'll beat the shit out of you. Like, Can we do it again? Man. Fucking ripped Alfred's hamstring. And that's why he's walking with a goddamn cane. Yeah. But yeah, there's honestly, this movie was fantastic. But I want to bring up this that one scene again. I literally sat up in my chair when he grabbed the precursor to Venom or whatever that is. I'm calling it the precursor to Venom. Like yeah. the base for me. When he grabbed that shit, I sat up in my chair real quick. Because it was instant and he was in fucking beast mode kind of like you know when logan took that that shot of whatever that was yeah 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 and went fucking nutty like that was great but another problem i'm gonna have in this movie to bring it up because it's coming from that scene he was kind of a sleepy batman believe me how many how many times did he get knocked out in this movie twice granted there was there was reasons for it. Yeah, yeah. I would think an explosion right to the face. I mean, he should be happy he's not killed. Yeah, I was kind of, that's, yep. that's when I was like, all right, the suit's a little too OP. Oh, okay. So, that's, all right. So, at least you agree with me. I said, okay. Yes. In that sense, I was like, all right, this suit's a little fucking much. I was kind of wondering. He just took an explosion. And also, his face, but that still looks mostly like a leather mask. It doesn't look like there's much mm-hmm. armor there. Especially with the stitching around the nose stands out. Yeah. Like, Maybe it has some Kevlar in there, but that's not stopping a fucking C4 blast right to your face. Like, no. See, I would so believe I that more kinda... if at, like, the last second, he pushed him away and, like, jumped back mid-explosion. It was like, okay, yeah, you know, you got some distance. But, no, he took that face first. <laughs> yeah, which I thought was pretty dumb. I think Batman would have, like, got out of the way. Yeah, but, he... no, he stayed there. Yeah. He stayed there way too fucking long. Mm-hmm. Look, it's under 20 seconds. Uh, at this point, Riddler's just yelling at the guy consistently. He's like, you're not going to get your answers. Just step back. Yeah, I do like how that guy was resort- was like, nope, I'm not a snitch. No way, man. <laughs> like, I'll tell you how much I can be bribed for, which seemed pretty low, honestly. Like, yeah, 10, 10 grand? grand? I mean, come on. 10 grand? Like, Jesus, no one of this city's a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> if the DA can be bought with 10 grand, Jesus. Yeah, like, fuck, man. What is Gotham, like, paying this guy? The head DA. It has but, to be, like, two grand a year. If ten grand's all it takes. But he must be getting paid, like, 40 grand a year. That way, it's, like, a quarter of his fucking salary. Like, Wait, hold yeah. on. Is it, isn't it? Didn't he say, hold on, it was ten grand a month, right? Might have been ten grand a month. Mm, I don't know if it was a month. Because ten cause grand a month makes more sense it? than ten grand a year. Well, it wouldn't be a year. It's just to pay him off. So it's not like you're on his books for a year. It's like, hey, listen, we need you to throw this case. Here's 10 grand. Well, That's I thought you way. mentioned he was supposed to throw other cases as well. It wasn't just the main one that they were, the, the well, Maroney one. I think kind of the way it works is every time he throws the case, he gets 10 grand. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would make yeah. sense. Like, it's not kind of like a salary thing. Like, hey, listen, you're... All right, it's basically a contract pay. Yeah. Yeah, movie was fucking fantastic. But here's, I know we're not going to do an official ranking 
but I kind of want to ask the question, Tyler, <laughs> where does this stack up? I really want to know. Uh, well, are we talking like just Batman films overall? Do you want to exclude Batman vs Superman and Justice League? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not going to give a full ranking. I'll tell yeah. you right now. I'll tell everyone listening right now. It is better than all Batman films besides The Dark Knight. And I'm not saying it could be better than The Dark Knight. It's just there is so much to process in this film. Yeah. I may have to see it one more time before I give it official. Is it better than Dark Knight? I would say it's on par with Dark Knight. I would I would agree wholeheartedly with that statement. Just because it did a lot of things so well. Like Dark Knight is really a tough movie to beat. Mm-hmm. It's an all-time but, classic. But that's most on the performance of Heath Ledger. Mm-hmm. If you took him out of the movie, which, you know, it's like saying, well, if you just had a whole different movie, it wouldn't be as good. But kind of in the sense, that movie was only as successful as Heath Ledger made it. But on that note, just because we don't want to give our rankings today doesn't mean you don't have to. But do we recommend the film? Hold on. I I know it's an easy yes, but we do have to give our official ranking. It's a yes for me. We even have to bring it up. We got to bring it up. We have a formula to stick to. They need to know if it's a simple yes or no from us. It's a yes. Well, that's, a, that's a no for me, Tyler. Oh, really? Yeah, no, this, this movie is just too good. Um, so until it comes out in streaming, just just wait for it there. Just, you know, I don't want theaters to be too packed every time I want to go see this movie once a week. Uh, but yeah, no, obviously it's a yes for me. Fantastic film overall, not just a fantastic Batman film, but everything it really did live up to the hype. It really did. We didn't get a single bad trailer from the movie, and the movie really delivered. So here's my formal apology, Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson. You guys fucking killed it. As always, we want to know your thoughts. Have you seen the Batman yet? If you haven't, the hell are you waiting for, bud? Go go get to that shit. But let us know at Entertainment Expansion. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. As always, thank you for listening. It's the Dark Knights out.